My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Have you ever had a fantasy you felt too shy or nervous to act on, even though you really wanted to? Or wondered what it's like to work in adult entertainment? And what should you have learned about STIs and sex ed, but probably didn't? Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so excited to explore these topics and more with adult star Raven Hart and our resident sex and relationship expert, Dr. Megan Fleming, today. Today's episode is brought to you by a brand new Girl Boner sponsor, Giant Microbes, a company that makes my science and sexuality-loving heart very happy. So giant microbes are basically these plush stuffed animal versions of microorganisms. They are funny and educational and super fun, and they're based on real microscopic life. And you get this information fact card with it. You can select from over 200 products, including STDs, sex education, and other health topics. And they're a perfect gift for anyone that you know who has a really healthy sense of humor, including lovers, students, teachers, and health professionals. I personally especially love that Giant Microbes is working to destigmatize STIs and make conversations around them more comfortable, which is so, so, so important. To get 20% off your orders, go to giantmicrobes.com and enter the code AUGUST20. So August, like my name, like the month, the number 20, no space, or click their ad on my website, augustmclaughlin.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for Girl Boner Extras if you haven't. I send updates about once a month. Now, I'm so pleased to welcome Raven Hart to the show. Raven is a MILF adult star who's also worked as a makeup artist, dancer, and dominatrix, which makes her the perfect expert for this week's listener question. Thank you so much for joining me, Raven. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. So tell me what you learned about sex and sexuality when you were a kid. Ooh. Ah, I think I learned on my own. Um, you, I remember finding out about sex and sexuality through my own personal experiences and then having my mom find a letter that I wrote to a boyfriend, finding out in the letter, of course, that I had already had sex. So then she decided to have the talk of the birds and the bees with me at that point. I'm like, well, it's already too late. So that was like my introduction to sex and sexuality because my mother is very, you know, um, proper and like, you know, you don't talk about that kind of stuff. And, you know, so I didn't really get um, a good understanding. Did you imagine as a kid that you might be a porn star one day? Never. Never, never. Never, never. When did it first occur to you that that was a real possibility? Um, you know, I, I spent a good portion of my adult life as a sex worker, um, but not necessarily as an adult performer. And I think it was always kind of one of those things, well, maybe, but I always lived on the East Coast. So I didn't really, I, I thought that most stuff happened out here, which it does. And it didn't really seem like a possibility to me until like later. And then I just thought, oh, I don't know. I've always been on the fence about it. And then all of a sudden I just thought, you know what, why not? 
and just take the plunge. Did you love it right away? Yes, I did. Was it nerve wracking? I always wonder what that first gig would be like. Um, it was not at all what I expected. I did not understand, or I, I guess I didn't. Um, I didn't think that there would be such um, structure. Um, the very first shoot I had was for Brazzers, and um, they are, you know, a company that you know you work for them. You have a script. You have, you know, all the, and I didn't know there'd be all these lights coming at me, and um, you know, someone with the, with a camera so close to, you know, me and all my parts, and it was just like very um, overwhelming. So you weren't improvising as much as you thought you would. You had to sort of follow prompts. Yes. And the, the biggest thing was, you know, don't I kept on hearing like, don't look at the camera, don't look at the camera because, you you know, you want to do that naturally, but you can't because then it looks like that on camera. And, it look, you know, and when someone's watching a scene, it looks bizarre. So, yeah, that's like one of the hardest things that I had to like, look, you know, to, to learn to do. But initially, the very first shoot, that was like the biggest thing Um, the lights, the, you know, but, but the actual sex part, that was OK. But it was just it was different because porn sex is a little bit different than regular sex. Because it's made to be entertainment and you have to be able to see everything, right? Right. So because it has to, you have to be able to see it, it's an angle thing. So what you might what, what you might do in your personal life that might feel really good, you really don't want to do that on camera because then you're not opening up to the camera. You can't be seen because everything has to be seen. So when you're doing like a missionary, you're twisted sort of on your hip and then that way you're open up to the camera. It's sort of like I used to be an actress and I remember we would cheat out. You know, if you're doing a commercial and you'd be eating cereal across from someone, if you notice, people are not actually facing each other. A lot of times they're like facing open, like they are right. turning toward the camera, but it looks really natural from a viewer's perspective. Exactly. So did you grow up with the idea that sex work was a respectful thing or did you also kind of hear some of the, the myths and uh, stigmas around it? I grew up hearing or, or thinking just from everything around me, what I read, whatever, that it was bad and that it was that, you know, girls who did it were, you know, sluts or whores or, you know, all of these different things. And, um, you know, nobody really I think that was just all because everybody went along with what, you know, they thought. But if you really talk to a lot of people who are sex workers, whether you're, you know, a escort or whether you're a dominatrix or an exotic dancer or an adult performer, a lot of us have brains and we're intelligent people and you know it's a business just like anything else so growing up it was different and and, and I was pleasantly surprised when I decided to do uh, my first form of sex work so and what do you love most about the work I'm sure there are many different perks and many different challenges I one thing I really love is every day is different um, every day is different and I meet some really cool people. Um, some, you know, there's, I'd say out of all of the people that I've met and all the people that I've shot with, there are only two people that I can think of who I won't say, um, that I didn't care for. Um, so that's. Those are good odds. Yeah. In any job. I exactly. mean, if you think about only two people, maybe you didn't get along with, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, that to me says it's just it's a really great um, business and there's just a lot of really interesting people that you meet on a day to day basis um, especially you know and that, that could be from performers to directors to producers to cameramen to you know PAs all of that yeah there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes in all film yes. production we only see a very small percentage of what, all that goes on yeah 
So you worked as a dominatrix. I did. Tell me a little bit about that work and kind of what it was like for someone who's not very familiar. I think a lot of people know, oh, dominatrix means you're the one kind of, you know, in control or the more kind of, quote, powerful one in the scenario. For you as a profession, how would you describe it? As a profession, um, or now do you mean like what my role is to describe it or just describe what it's like? Let's start with what it's like. Okay. So what it's like to be a professional dominatrix is very, it's very interesting. Um, I almost felt at a lot, uh, on many occasions, like I was a uh, psychiatrist um, or a, a therapist. A therapist is a better word for it. Because a lot of people that you see are basically working out certain things that they, you know, need at the moment, Um, you know, some people just want your general like kink 101, which is just, hey, you know, I'm curious about this. I want to try it. Um, And then other people have some serious, you know, fetishes or things. And those things are caused from maybe when they're young. You know, so there's a lot of reasons why people like the things that they do sexually. And so that that was always interesting to me. Um, I would also meet some interesting people as well. Um, it was definitely something that took um, time to learn. Um, it, it's definitely you, you need to learn your skills because you can't just go and just say, oh, yeah, I want to be a dominatrix and tomorrow go start taking appointments because there's a lot of things that you need to know in terms of what, you know how to use these tools that you have, you know, um, how to throw a flogger, how to where not to hit someone um, and all Can that kind of stuff. Can you tell us for anyone who is brand new to these terms, what mm-hmm. is a flogger and how would you use it? So a flogger, cat nine tails, whatever. Um, It's usually made of leather. Um, It has like a nice sturdy handle with a little loop on the end. And then it has strands of uh, leather or whatever kind of material. And you use that to, you just, it's hard to to talk about it, but if you, you know, like using your wrist, you um, use it to flick and and kind of like throw it at someone, not throw it physically, you keep it on your hand, um, but you kind of hit like a target. To sort of spank um, you yes, you can use it for spanking, but there are spanking paddles. Um, more whipping, I guess you would say. Yeah, yeah. And there's different kinds. So like you either have um I always say like when I would see someone, do you like a thud or do you like a sting? If you like a sting, you like the really like skinny ones that are more hardcore, like they're harder strips. If you like more of a thud, then there's lots more that are thin, I mean that are thicker and softer. And then that creates a different feeling. I personally I'm a thud person. I don't like the sting. I'm so glad you brought that up because I interviewed a a previous dominatrix who's now a sex educator, Mona Darling, from my book, Girl Boner, that's coming out soon. And we talked about kink and, like, if you want to start getting into some of the dominatrix stuff. And she said the most important thing is communication because she specifically said one person's spank is somebody else's thud or whatever. You know, like, there's so many ways to describe things. And you could tell somebody – it's sort of like if you go to – this is a terrible – comparison but if you go to get your hair styled and you're like i want a haircut well that could be like a buzz cut that could be you know it could be anything a trim yes. so it's really important to be specific you god it is key and i would say that so many times like i'd have a client come in and go okay well what are you interested in uh you 
okay, well, I'm going to need you to elaborate a little bit more. Like, what are your interests? And it was like, if it was very general, you know, I would always have to sit down and do a little consult so that I understood what it was that they needed. Because, yeah, the last thing you want to do is that someone says, "My, I, I want to be spanked. And, yeah, I, like, I've had so many people that say, oh, yeah, I'm a heavy bottom. I can take all this and that. And I go and I spank them. And they're like, ow. <laughs> so even intensity. So, yes, intensity so is start, really important. start low, I guess, right? Always you better. can always go upward. Yes, unless you have someone who's like a, a crazy masochist, which I didn't really particularly care to see anyway. So, I'm sure people listening, if they aren't familiar with this kind of work, they might wonder, how do you stay safe? Because if you're going into an intimate space with a stranger, mm-hmm. could you speak to that? How, did, have you felt safe in all of this kind of work? I know when you're on set, there's a lot of people. But when it's you and one other person, how did that feel? Um, well, the biggest thing is for the mistress and for the client, screen, screen, screen. Really, really ask questions. And so a proper mistress, like I did, uh, or like I was on my website, I have a questionnaire. And I would not even talk to anyone until they filled out that questionnaire. And these are questions that, you know, do you have any medical conditions? Um, you know, do you have any injuries? List your interests. And, and it, it was very um, detailed because that's important for me. And then I could look at that and say, you know what? No, you're not for me. Or yes, you're for me. And then it would go further and further. We, I would always do an email. After that, it was a phone call. And sometimes, oh, I don't like to use the phone. Well, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to speak to me on the phone because it, you could talk to someone on the phone and you can pick up on whether or not, you know, something is going to be good or bad. And then I would always do a deposit. Um, so these are all steps to make sure that you're getting someone that you feel is safe. And from the client's end, you, you know, just make sure that you're really researching your mistress and find out that she is exactly what you're looking for, that she knows what she's doing. Check her experience. Don't go looking for her on Backpage um, because then you'll find someone who's an escort with a whip. Really, really good advice. So we have a question from a listener that sure. I thought you would be perfect to weigh in on. And I also have some insight from Dr. Megan Fleming of Great Life, Great Sex to Share. We got this question from Marie who wrote this. I have a lot of dreams that I'm a dominatrix. I don't want to be a real one in real life, but I would like to experiment a little with role playing. I'm in a serious relationship and our sex life is great, but we've never done anything remotely like this. I'm super shy as a person, and I'm having trouble even bringing this up, much less finding ways to act on it. But even just thinking about it, I get so excited. Haha. <laughs> Could you suggest any first steps? Thank you so much. Thank you for this question, Marie. Here's what Dr. Megan had to say. Marie, I am so excited for you. Um, I think you've heard me often use the expression red light, yellow, green light. And what I can tell is, as you're saying, just Thinking about it is getting you excited. That's a definite green light. And you absolutely should uh, explore, discover, and play with, you know, sort of what turns you and your partner on. Um, I think the consensual exchange of power can be incredibly hot. Um, So, but I'm also like, you might want to give some thought to in your dreams, what are some of the aspects of the turn-ons? So you have more clues to what you might want to explore sort of in your role play. Um, Is it just in sense of like taking control and having the power? Is it about giving pleasure to someone who desires corporal punishment? Or maybe it's just a good spanking now and again. Or do you get aroused when you think about humiliation and submission or, uh, worshiping or having a slave. I mean, there's so many things and not to mention what you might want to wear. Like 
beyond perhaps the red lipstick, right? Um, is it leather? Is it the five-inch stiletto heels? Um, allow your mind and imagination to really sort of think about, in, even in anticipation, this is where the fantasy comes in, what you imagine you'd like to explore and try on. And then, of course, when it comes to sharing it with your partner, um, you know, you can always sort of do the, hmm, you know, I, I just heard on Girl Boner or read in Cosmo or some other ladies magazine, and I just can't remember which one, but, you know, they were talking about role play and submission and, uh, you know, a woman who really wanted to uh, try out being a dominatrix. And you know what? I actually was intrigued and I thought, hmm, I know some people even a little turned on by that idea. How about you, right? Is this something that you might be game for um, and that we can role play and sort of try out? Um, so again, approach the conversation with a sense of both casualness, but also a sense of like anticipation and excitement. And then, you know, last but not least, I want to give you something you can read, um, it, which could be, of course, helpful for you to explore other than just sort of the role of fantasy and your dreams. And that would be The Mistress Manual, The Good Girl's Guide to Female Dominance by Mistress Powers. Um, I definitely would have you check that out. And, you know, I always say, you know, let us know how it goes. But... Because you're so excited, I definitely want to hear back how this goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I loved her tips about really thinking about what it is that turns you on. Because again, dominatrix is, a, that could mean so many different things. Yeah, there's, it, it's, it's got such a, it's very broad, um, just being, you know, if you exploring those things, there's so many different ways and, and different um, facets of BDSM. Uh, and I totally I think one of the things she said was real that was really interesting is, or, or that makes sense to me um, is to kind of think about what it is that you're why you're interested in this, um, why you're having dreams about it, because, yeah, I mean, maybe it is like maybe she wants to exert, you know, some sort of power or it could be something just simple as it turns me on the idea of it. And I don't know whether or not I'm going to like it. So let's see what happens. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, having a conversation is good. I also think it really depends on her guy. Um, and I'm sure she'll know him best because the first thing that came in my mind is, you know, men love to most men love when a woman wants to take control. Now, not necessarily I'm going to, you know, put on my leather, I'm going to beat you, but just like, you know, to surprise him one night, maybe you're having a date night and just dress in some fetish stuff, but sexy fetish stuff, not necessarily something over the top that's going to scare him. Um, Who is this person who took my girlfriend? <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of like sexy fetish lingerie. Put something on and then just say, you know what, you know, tonight, you know, I'm going to, you know, do all these things to you. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to make you, you know, um, my little slave and be very cute and coy and sexual about it. And he'll probably be totally for it. I like that because it builds up gradually. And that way you get response because you'll see if your partner is like, "Ooh, that sounds good. Or if they're a little bit like, 
whoa, and mm-hmm. you could slow down. Or as you were saying that, I was picturing how cool it would be if if she like started with something really she's maybe she's just wearing like a sexy black dress. Yeah. And then at the restaurant, she like puts on the red lipstick. And then at appetizers, she like adds another fetishy thing. Like yeah. so that by the end of the night, she's completely you know, And then like, you know, it's underneath off. like whatever she's wearing and she just yeah. like takes it off. She's like a superhero. Yeah. I, I mean, like I think it. that would be kind of fun. And then she could really like kind of see what his response is. Because one thing that I've learned um over the many years of like working with men is men get really funny when it comes to like having serious conversations. Like if you like sit them down and go, okay, I really want to talk to you. I'm really interested in doing this. It's like it puts some weird pressure on them sometimes and they're like, you know, they may feel uncomfortable. So just maybe it's a good way to break the ice that way. And then if he likes it and he's into it, then, you know, when you're done and when you're laying in bed after you've had some really amazing sex, say, you know, I think we should explore this some more and let's do this and that. Or maybe like say, maybe we should go to go sex toy shopping. You know, that's another uh, way to go about that as well. So just nice little simple ways to break the ice and see what he does. That's a really good point, because I think especially if you're not used to having those kinds of conversations with each other about other things, Mm -hmm. if you're not because I think guys are just not really encouraged to be super emotive, right? So that could be really vulnerable if all of a sudden you never talk about sex and then you're like, how about whips and chains, baby? (laughs) Yeah. So instead, just sort of, like you said, just subtly, or as Dr. Megan was saying, maybe you say, oh, I heard about this. Or Mm -hmm. maybe you pull out an erotica story and go, do you want to read this together? Like, what do you think of this scene? Or, Mm -hmm. Or watch a scene you know, together or something that gives ideas. What would be some of the first kind of things she could actually try? Like, let's say they're they're chatting and they're coming up with like, well, maybe we could try, you know, because I think we hear about we hear about spanking. You mentioned mm-hmm. flogging, but I know there's a lot more. There is. And guys, you know, I think as something, you know, in, as a beginning, maybe I, I would say the best two things that come to my head immediately is teasing, like tease and denial, um, and also bondage. So like, and, and I'm not talking about anything elaborate, no rope bondage or whatever, you know, get like some cuffs. Um, maybe she could get some stuff, you know, ahead of time. Um, even a pair of like cheesy handcuffs. It's fine. Furry ones, whatever. And just put his hands up, you know, um, over, you know, his head or maybe... Maybe if you have something on the bed, you can tie them to the bed. And then the teasing, use something sens- like do sensual stuff like a feather, um, like a vibrator possibly, um, you know, just different textures. Use your nails um, and just run them all over or like blindfold him, you know, while you're giving him a blowjob. Like there's all kinds of ways like that that you could do. Um, sometimes guys also like um, a lot of guys like when you put some pressure around their balls. Like so if you use like a ring um, or you can use your hand, um, just things like that, maybe just start. Yeah. And this, and, and if you, because I guess for her, it would really depend on whether her guy is into being spanked. Because if she just comes out of the gate and just goes, bend over, <laughs> you know, he may not, he may be taken back by that. Yeah. I, I can say somebody touched me once and I just burst out laughing. I was like, <laughs> what in the heck was that? It, it's really surprising sometimes when you don't have any sort of inclination that that's what's going to happen. So you mentioned cock rings can be awesome because some do go around the balls as well. Mm-hmm. What do you think of ball torture? 
So, you know what I have found? A lot of guys are all, you know, they go, oh, my God, CBT. That's what it's called, cock and ball torture. Or cock and ball teasing can be either. Um, and they'll go, oh, my God, you know, how do guys do that? I don't understand. I've seen guys getting kicked in the balls and this and that and whatever. But it doesn't have to be like that. So some of the things that I've done with clients in the past is, like, I'll do bondage. Now, you have to learn how to do the bondage, of course. And then you wrap, you know, um, I would always start with a tie going around the balls like a cock ring and then wrapping it around the shaft of the cock. And then right to the point um, where like the head and the, the shaft, there's like a little lip and then you tie it right there and then you can like do something like one time like, you know, not one time, many times, I attach like a vibrator to it um, or I run my nails on it. Now if it's, you know, if it's your man, obviously not with my clients, um, you know, you can like lick, you know, and do things like that or you could spit on it. What I mean, There's a million different things that you could do. So yes, it, it's a good thing and it's fun and I think a lot of guys if they try it, they will like it, but it just has to not be um, intimidating to them. And you never know, too. She may have an idea of she's expecting she might love this one certain thing, mm-hmm. and she may not really enjoy it, and she may really enjoy something else. And, you know, because sometimes something in her head, like, have you ever had an experience where there's something in your head that sounds really sexy, and then you tried it, and it was, like, not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah. Do you remember a specific time? Um, no, not anything specific, but there are, well, okay, yeah, there, one thing that I thought, because I've had it before, um, uh, or a different part, but I've tried, I tried, uh, double vaginal sex, right? Because I've tried double anal and I, and I didn't mind that. Um, I hated it. And so that's like one thing I just like, I I haven't done on camera. Um, I haven't gotten asked to do it yet. And so it's not really on my priority list of things that I want to do. But I I thought, oh my gosh, this this would be good because I liked everything else. Why wouldn't I like this? I hated it. I felt like I had like a little guy in there like stretching my like walls with their, it it was just, I didn't like it. Yeah, and it's totally okay to not like something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you get a lot of choice too in film as I understand it, right? Like when it comes to, because they'll give you an outline, but. Or you know what you are going in for. You always know what you're going in for. Yeah. Unless you have someone who, you have a bad agent who poorly informed you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, what happens is usually I'll get a text from my agent or a phone call and they'll say, hey, you know, are you available for to, to work this day for this company? Um, this is the type of shoot that it is. And so you'll know because the pay is, is always, um, you know, related to how, what you're doing, the acts you're doing. So, yeah, that's how it usually works. So when you're working with a professional who has good representation, things will go a lot better for everyone, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your biggest career aspirations right now? Well, I've been doing this for a year and three months. And I am starting to, my popularity is starting to rise. Um, and I'm looking to definitely, you know, gain more and more popularity because it just opens a lot more um, doors for opportunities. So I, some of the things I would love to do, like I, Lainey just started me uh, to do this. I'm going to be writing a column because um, I love to write. Um, so that's going to be great. And then maybe possibly once I do enough, we might do an ebook with that. So that sounds like it would awesome. be really fun. I love that. Um, I just want to do a lot of different kinds of creative things within the sex industry. So not only be a performer, but maybe down the road, I would love to direct and produce, um, maybe even have my own radio show. I mean, I just, there's a lot of, I have a lot of information I want to share with everyone, you That's know, because great. I've done so many different things, not just in porn. Um, and I feel like, you know, my experiences could be helpful to a lot of people. So would you want to share your experiences for people to learn from them? Do you see yourself 
giving like sex tips? Are you, do you kind of have that personality where you like to educate? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I would love that. that. I could see that. So tell me about Sexed Panther. <laughs> Sex Panther is great. Um, Sex Panther is a uh, company that they allow uh, you can be a cam model, a performer, um, and you can text, um, you can share pictures, you can share video and do phone chat with your fans. So it's it's really good because, you know, um, like I have it, it, what happens is. It goes right to my phone, um, and I can just text back and forth with people, um, and and I really love that. So, so people get a feel of having a real like personal relationship with you. Absolutely, yeah. Do you feel like people d- expect that more with, you know, the digital age? I feel like if someone writes a book, they expect they can like contact that author; they're going to hear back. Whereas, you know, decades ago, you would write a letter and hope to hear back someday. Is there a lot of expectation from your fans to feel like they're part of your community? Yes. And I think that there's so many different ways to contact you now. Um, and so and, and it's really and, and I feel bad because I can't reach out to everyone. So what I do and what I have to do, unfortunately, um, is things like Sex Panther, um, premium Snapchat, you know, things where people actually have to pay because then they get priority because what they don't a lot of people don't realize is like I'll go to my Instagram and on my messages, which I don't really go to that much. I have tons of and tons and tons of messages and I just can't sit there and sort through all of them. And this is your job. You deserve to make money and I think it's really important to respect sex workers the same way that you'd respect anyone who's providing entertainment or a service or emotional well-being like you Mm -hmm. said. There are times when you have felt more like a counselor you know and I feel like sometimes you know I've heard some people sometimes they talk about like porn stars as it's so stigmatized that it almost takes like the humanness out of it. Even people who are watching it will sometimes say things that you're just like, well, wait a minute. This is an actual person mm-hmm. who eats breakfast, who loves their family, who has morals, and they deserve to make a living. But a lot of it's it's very interesting. I was just talking to a friend about this the other day that I have there are two different kinds of fans that I seem to have. It's like I have some who are really like, we love you. And, you know, whether you do porn or not, you know, you're a great person. You're beautiful. Blah, 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 blah. You know, I have one guy who sends me cards like it's so sweet. And then I have other people who are just like, you know, you're a sex object. You know, that's all that you are. You eat, breathe, sleep and shit sex. (laughs) Are they saying that? And you mean that they are shaming you or they are actually just sort of that's that's how they they see you. you. Yes, that's just how they see you. Do you ever see yourself? Because in some ways, you know, when you're performing, it's like when I was modeling, for example, I sort of was, that's a little bit objectifying because I was like, you're like the canvas that they're painting, right? right? And I think sometimes we want to feel objectified. Mm -hmm. Like I would want my partner to objectify me sometimes because we want to be like lusted after. Do you, do you enjoy that piece of it? Like sometimes do you do you mind if some people think, oh, you're being objectified? Does that bother you? No, I have no problem being objectified. I mean, look at what I'm doing. You know, I yeah. mean, I am on display for the whole world to see. And so I, it, it goes with the territory. And I don't have a problem with that at all. What I, I don't and I don't want to say I have a problem with what I think that I would love for some people to understand is that we are real people as well. And, you know, 
we are not 24 hours a day, you know, just sitting there with our vibrators like, okay, let's go. You know, we have lives and, um, you know, it's just it's just how it is. So, yeah, I mean, we are real people, too. Um, but yes, I know, you know, we are sexual fantasies for, you know, a lot of people. And, and so that's very flattering as well. I could see that. I could see that. So April is STI Awareness Month. And I thought we could talk about just a couple of myths. One of them, I think that people don't realize that safer sex is actually can be a lot sexier. I feel like when we, because there's this idea, some people think, oh, if I pull out a condom or if I use protection of any kind, mm-hmm. like somehow it takes away the, from the sexiness. But I feel like if you're being conscientious, that's kind of hot. It is. And at the end of the day, what's not hot is getting an STD. <laughs> So, you know, the last thing you want to do is say, hey, honey, I have chlamydia or gonorrhea or whatever. And, um, you know, go get tested. Testing is so important, too. Like, I'm a big – we we have to be. You have to. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, you know, for people who are monogamous with one another, okay – you know, you don't need to worry about that. But if you're single and you're just having sex or, you know, you, you should always know your status. It's really important. Yeah, you know, Because if you don't, then you could have a really serious problem and you're not even aware of it. Totally, totally. The other interesting thing to me that I've learned is that it's more likely that you will get an STI at some point in your life than not. It's, it's over 50% chance. And yet we, there's so much stigma around that that people feel very alone when they have one. And so mm-hmm. I think it's so important to know that if you're ever diagnosed with an STI, that it doesn't make you a bad person. Everybody, it's funny because you could get other kinds of viruses. You could get pneumonia, mm-hmm. right? By hugging people, by maybe not washing your hands enough or something, or because viruses, sometimes you could do everything, quote, right, and still get a virus, whether that is an STD or an STI or a flu bug, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, if you went onto Facebook and were like, hey, everybody, I've got a Mia, <laughs> it won't necessarily go over well. Although yeah. some people would be thinking, oh, thank God. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Right. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the shame? Because since you're in an industry where there is stigma, mm-hmm. what can you say to somebody who is experiencing shame around having an STI? Well, I'll tell you what, um, one of the, the one of the places that I go and get tested, um, I had a friend who got chlamydia and he was like so upset by it. And this is someone who was not in the industry. And um, he called up and the woman who I know that works there, she's really great. And it's just her personality. And she said, oh, what's a little chlamydia amongst friends? So... I said, do you hear that? I'm like, listen, this is how it is. You know, now I have I'm lucky I have not had um, an issue so far, Um, but it could happen. Because I work with, you know, um, bodily fluids. Exactly. I mean, look, yeast infection, all kinds of stuff. That that shit happens. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there shouldn't be unless you have like HIV. You know, which is really serious, uh, but more treatable today than it was years ago. Much, yes. Um, things like gonorrhea and chlamydia are treatable and with curable. medication. And I mean, yeah, chlamydia, you go on medication, it goes away. Exactly. Which means, of course, you could get it again. So you want to be careful. But I love that attitude that that person expressed. It was like, woohoo, what's a big deal? Yeah. Because it would be so nice. Obviously, we need to learn how to protect ourselves. But so much of our sex education is like, look out. These are awful. Fear. And that doesn't really help. Well, I mean, I think that a lot of the way that our country is in general, I mean, when we talk about drugs, war on drugs, you know, everything is fear, 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 be afraid. You know, it's like no one looks at it as 
okay, it's not that bad. You know, there is a cure. It's going to be okay. And, you know, probably people like, if you know, let's say people who work in an office building, you know, if they look around, I'm sure that there's plenty of people in that building who've gotten chlamydia at one point in their life or some other STD or STI. So, yeah, it's like you're not alone and there is or should not be any shame or stigma on it. There's a beautiful boldness about you. You're very outspoken and you say you say things with such conviction and, <laughs> and a really bright spirit too and I wonder if you have any suggestions for somebody who wants to feel feel bolder in their lives whether it is that they wanted to try a new kinky thing in in the bedroom or pursue something in sex work or or a different career that they're like really stagnant in what they're doing right now and they want to try something new what what is one bit of advice you would give somebody who wants to live larger and more authentically well, I think that, you know, one thing that I always live by is to be true to myself and to I, I always think in the back of my head, life is short and, you know, you never know, live your life without regrets. So if you have something in your mind or something that you, you know, whether it's something you want to say or whether it's something you want to do, a career change choice, whatever, do it because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't know if you're going to be able to do this in 10 years or whatever. And even for me, like when I jumped and I switched to do adult, you know, to, to be an adult performer, that was what I decided. I thought, you know what? I'm not getting any younger. And, you know, I'm not going to look like this forever. So I might as well take advantage of it and just do it and put it out there and see what happens. Because if you don't do that, then you're missing out on, you know, you, you'll never know how things will be. Mm. So, yeah, take a chance and, you know, live. Beautiful. So where can everyone learn more about you if they're not yet familiar? Uh, let's see. So I, you can find me on Twitter at Miss Ravenheart. It's M-I-S-S-R-A-V-E-N-H-A-R-T. And then you can find me on Instagram at the same, but Miss Ravenheart with a number two because my old account got hacked. Um, and let's see what else do I have. I've got a Miss Ravenheart Snapchat and um, a uh, a fancentro.com forward slash Ravenheart. That's my premium Snapchat. Um, what else do I have? Um, God, I am trying to think what there's probably a lot more. You can text me Sex Panther. Um, I've got an OnlyFans page, um, clips, song clips for sale, many vids. You know, all my movies are all over. Um, I've worked for a lot of different, um, you know, uh, movie uh, production companies. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all cool. over. Well, I look forward to interviewing you when you are running your own production house. I, I totally see that. That would be awesome. I would love to do that. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes if you haven't. You can also leave a review there. You can follow us on Spotify. And remember to ch check out Giant Microbes. You can learn more at girlboner.org. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. <laughs>